Welcome to Future Tense by DBS. We look at what is to come for Asia and the world as technology evolves at an accelerating pace. We get you comfortable with the future as business leaders tackle big questions about sustainability, innovation, fintech, and more. While the COVID-19 pandemic has had a devastating impact on many sectors, it has no doubt been a boon for e-commerce and digital payments. With consumers staying home, sales on e-commerce platforms have skyrocketed. And even when consumers head out, more are opting for contactless forms of payment instead of handling physical cash. For instance, DBS Bank saw payments made via its DBS Payla mobile wallet increase by 40% in October this year, compared to a year ago. Anthony Xiao, DBS Head of Payments and Platforms, elaborates. As Payla, what we have built put us in actually a very good position to be there when customers' behaviour shift during the pandemic, where they started getting more comfortable with being digital, right? In terms of going e-commerce, making digital payments. So that actually helped us to grow our base to 1.8 million. And we're currently on track based on the trajectory to hit 3.5 million or beyond by 2023. Because of the pandemic and what we have done so far, it has accelerated new signups for Payla. Signups in October 2020, it's 40% more than a year ago. We are seeing payments increasing by 40%. This is basically people making P2P transfers or using it to make payment. Now, what's driving that is the more than 100% increase in P2B payments, meaning people are using it uh, to pay merchants, pay bills. And what's very heartening also is that we are seeing average ticket size more than double. So how can businesses ride this digital wave into 2021 and beyond? What are the opportunities not to be missed? And the big question, is a 100% cashless society just on the horizon? As part of its lineup for this year's Singapore FinTech Festival, DBS hosted a panel discussion on the future of e-commerce with representatives from DBS Bank, lifestyle app Fave, super app Gojek, and YQ, a hawker-first digital ecosystem. The panel was moderated by Joe Lin Tan from Group Strategic Marketing and Communications at DBS. Let's hear from them. A warm welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jolene, and today we are live here in the DBS Spark Studio, joined by an esteemed panel of speakers. I have Anthony Xiao, who is DBS Head of Payments and Platforms. Beside him is Ng Ik Fong, Managing Director of Fave Singapore and Malaysia. And we next have Lian, General Manager of Gojek Singapore. Last, but certainly not least, Varun Saraf, who is Co-Founder and CEO of YQ. Let me kick this off with a very broad question. So in your view, where are new opportunities for innovation in areas of e-commerce and digital payments? So for example, has the pandemic opened new areas of growth that were perhaps not so obvious previously? Perhaps I can have Faith start? Faith, as a company, we're a platform. We're a B2B2C platform. We serve about 30,000, 40,000 uh, businesses. The pandemic actually has a V, kind of like a V-shaped recovery for us. During the early days of pandemic, our business dropped maybe close to about maybe a third, but the recovery has been tremendous and now we're actually surpassing our pre-COVID days numbers. So I think the opportunities are very varied on a faith platform because we service different types of merchants from the large MNCs to retailers to F&B merchants you know, to entertainment companies, etc. The key thing going forward is a lot more partnerships and multi-channel approach to building your business. So for example, we've partnered with big retailers 
Pandora, BHG Wealthier, etc. A lot of them already have their own retail networks, which is the stores. But that in itself, uh, as we can see, because of COVID-19, poses a challenge. You become very susceptible to big changes outside of your control. And suddenly your business will plummet even down to zero when there is a forced lockdown. A lot of businesses that we service right now want to diversify their income. Essentially, they want to go online, and this is where faith can value add to them. At the same time, digitalize their solutions. And when talking about digitalization, it's really important because it's about saving costs. Food Republic is one of our uh, big partners uh, that accepts FaithPay and all their outlets in Singapore, uh, as well as Food Junction, which is now part of Food Republic Group. So I was talking to one of the GMs recently, and he was saying that actually, you know, AP, I want to go 100% cashless. So I said, oh, okay, cool. Then we're there to help you. Lah. And the reason why I say that is because whenever you manage cash, whether it's $100 per outlet or $1,000, there's already cost there. So I think there is a common enemy out there, which is cash. It's dirty and it's inefficient. So I think a lot of businesses really demand digitalization services. And payments is really one of the bedrock, the core. We're still a lot more work to do, which is why going forward is really about collaboration. It's about creating equal partnerships uh, with the likes of DBS, uh, where we really together, we can you know, make the pie bigger. The businesses that I talk to, I'm very enlightened and very happy, uh, and I feel very positive because a lot of them are searching. They're not resting on the laurels. This is like a big wake up call for a lot of them. And they're just opening up and kind of seeing what else they can do. So I think with infusing a startup culture, like with Faith, together with big companies out there, it kind of like, you know, fuse our strengths and, and becomes best of both worlds. Uh, that's where I think there's can unlock a lot of opportunities, uh, and some of which are not even seen right now. Some potential uh, opportunities in terms of payments could be like buy now, pay later trend. We see that quite a fair bit. Um, there is a movement there. That could be a huge opportunity, I think, going forward. And of course, like I mentioned, digitalization, omni-channel approach. Yeah, so I think uh, the future is really interesting. My next question is then a very natural segue. So this is for Anthony. The circuit breaker has not been easy for most businesses, like AP mentioned. In particular, the retail and FMB business have been hard hit. So actually, these merchants that AP is talking about would really be sort of similar group of lifestyle merchant partners that DBS Payla partners. How have you supported the business as they get back on their feet? Through PayLa, DBS is committed to supporting our merchant partners to achieve economy of scale and boost their business. We are building new capabilities, right? Putting intelligence onto the platform so they are able to provide nudges or provide information that's contextually relevant to the customers. We are creating a, a new engagement tools to make it open to SMEs, to self-help, so they are able to create campaigns riding on our intelligence. As a platform, we feel that uh, certainly we have a lot to offer uh, partners and to be able to help them in their business. As an example, we have a very, very huge and active customer base. And how we have helped is to leverage on that platform to communicate to the customer base. We work with partners, for example, like Daiso, Watson's, Soup Spoon, uh, and, and I believe Seng Shiong. And by working with them on promotions and all that, reaching out to our customer base, we were able to actually increase the value of uh, transactions that my customers usually make prior to the campaign. So we're actually getting numbers like a 50% increase from what they used to spend during the campaign. But what's interesting for us is after that, post the campaign, when we continue monitoring, we were noticing that our customers were still spending 30% more with these partners before the campaign. A recent report by Google, Tomasic Holdings and Bain & Co 
forecasted online shopping in Southeast Asia to reach 172 billion US dollars by 2025, compared to a previous 153 billion US dollars estimate. Research findings also included an accelerated shift away from cash and increased trust in online transactions. As consumers get more comfortable with digital payments, how close are we to a 100% cashless society and how do we get there? Gojek Singapore's Lian shares his views, followed by Ng Aik Fong from Faith Singapore and Malaysia, Varun Saraf, co-founder and CEO of YQ, and Anthony Xiao from DBS. We talked a lot about payments and uh, cash versus cashless and obviously everyone's very concerned about paying cash now. What has actually been interesting is that even though pre-COVID, Singapore is already quite well penetrated in terms of e-wallets and credit cards. We still saw a 30% proportion of payments that were made in cash. And after COVID, I think that number has really increased of uh, digital payments being made. I'd love to be AP's aspiration of getting it to be 100% cashless, which is actually after COVID, it's not a pipe dream. So maybe a year from now, when we are sitting at this panel, maybe I'll be able to report that, you know, it is 100% and hopefully a large proportion of that can be driven by uh, DBS Payla. Before this pandemic happened, I think a lot of us would probably kind of think, where I grow totally careless, it's like a pipe dream, and never ever going to happen, right? It's going to take maybe another, I don't know, 10 years. Because of what's happening, uh, you know, that 30% is being chipped away, and it's like maybe 20%, 10%, I think very rapidly, right? This is a silver lining, and this is like uh, the biggest changer, you know? The COVID is the CFO that makes things happen. But, but to add on, I think one thing is that previously we just saw credit cards as a mean of cashless payment. And it's just a transaction. But if you look at how credit cards have actually layered on a lot more analytics and controls and guidelines and say, you've got certain budgets for certain types of activities, that back-end value-added service, one of the things that the original people that started credit cards knew was that a credit card will incentivize spending because you don't feel the visceral pain of paying cash. So now we've actually put in place safeguards for that. That's for credit cards. What is the same for a demographic that may be too young or not eligible for credit cards? And that's really where we see uh, the value of Payla. And you look at the Payla app, it is an ecosystem. It is not just a payment service, but it is a means to access many other services. And then whether then you can layer on loyalty, whether you can layer on a much bigger pool, whether you can layer on some of these analytics or guidelines. I think that's really where the digital payment will go. It's not just a transaction, but because money is such a valuable asset and resource, we want to layer on a lot more um, services around it. Digitalization is great because uh, you're going to create a lot more data. And this data is where actually merchants, retailers, partners can make use of it to drive a lot more retention, repeats, etc., etc. So we have actually a lot of merchants on our platform are requesting that. Can they retarget the customers on our platform? So we are building apps and tools to enable our merchants to be able to retarget the customers to self-service, right? So we're actually doing very similar stuff to enable the merchant on our platform to tap back into the customers. That data will just open up a huge opportunity for all players. Talking about the cash versus cashless space, right? So we operate in a hawker space, which I think is probably one of the spaces which unfortunately has the most number of cash transactions today. Uh, let me start with a brief overview on YQ. We launched about three years ago with a mission to help our hawkers and deliver hawker food to consumers in a convenient and affordable manner. YQ uses technology to help hawkers increase their revenue and also simplify their daily processes. We partner with more than 3,000 hawker stalls across 70 hawker centers in Singapore, and we currently deliver more than 3,000 meals a day to our consumers. COVID-19 did have an immense impact on our business. 
At YQ, our team had to work extra hard to cope with A, the surge in demand from customers to get their food delivered, and B, the need to onboard as many hawker stalls as possible onto our platform so that we could give them a digital sales channel. YQ's created a digitalization toolkit designed specifically for hawkers. Uh, as part of this toolkit, hawkers can create their own individually branded e-menus. It allows hawkers to use a POS system to record their transactions and also manage their basic accounts and view sales and customer analytics, which they could never do before. We have a range of automated marketing tools, which includes setting up a social media page for hawkers and allowing hawkers to reach out to their customers through digital channels. And we are very glad that we could onboard an additional thousand hawkers during the circuit breaker period. What we've seen is that while there are a myriad of uh, payment solutions available for customers, even at hawkers, the merchants are not really able to understand because their older generation, aunties and uncles, they're not able to really understand the benefits of this because they work in a very cash-driven manner. And that's where we feel that we can basically jump in and provide this layer where we can connect to the hawker. And also, the hawker can see a verification of the payment that is made at the hawker stall because that is something they can't see right now. And for them, cash is very physical. It's in the hand. They can see it, right? But for a QR code payment, that's not something that they can see immediately. So that's uh, one of the angles that YQ is working to create that part of the ecosystem and also create e-learning platform for the hawkers and hold seminars and educate them on the benefits of digitalization and actually go on the ground and educate them on how things work, how they can set up online pages, Facebook pages, what the benefits of digitalization are. Because while COVID has made it necessary for them to look at this, they're still not convinced of how to actually get there. Yeah, so to me, I actually, I'm very heartened in the sense that we are actually all very aligned in terms of where we think things are going to evolve and where the opportunities are. DBS Payla, there's another thing that we're working very, very hard on from an intelligence perspective and being contextual, putting ourselves into the customer journey. So let me give you an example. Like you look at Payla today, you can book a Golden Village ticket. Let's say you just book to watch a movie at Vivo City at 12 o'clock. So I know you're going to Vivo City to watch a movie and I'll say, well, do you need a ride from Gojet? Through our connectivity on the platform, we are able to help you book. And you just say yes. Once you get to Vivo City, I know you like Submarine and, and it's a, it's a faith pay uh, merchant and you have like cash rebates sitting there. Hey, guess what? You have $5. Would you like to have a Submarine? Just to remind you, something contextual. And then after that, again, I kind of, kind of tell that, well, you, you kind of book Gojet to go home. Now say, well, it's dinner time. Do you feel like take out from YQ? We see Paylang as in a very unique position to string all that, our partners, and really fit ourselves in the customer journey. And I think that's uh, the huge opportunity that by going cashless and digital, it provides us the opportunity to really help the merchant partners get into that journey. And ultimately, the consumer is very happy because it's such a nice, seamless journey. Yep. They get our benefits, they're happy. My partners are happy, my, my merchant customers are happy. You know, and DBS being Payla will be extremely happy because everybody's win-win-win. Right. So I think that's really where the opportunity is. Very interesting stuff there. But I'm going to pick up on a point that Varun mentioned. My question is actually, how has the pandemic-induced growth affected your expansion plans in Singapore and across the region? So I hear that you intend to you know, expand into Malaysia next, for example. Can you give us a little bit more into that? On the Hawker side, it's actually accelerated our expansion significantly because you've seen so many more vendors come to us, approach us and want to get onto our platform. 
what it's also changed in our outlook is that we need to move faster and at least roll out a digitalization solution across in other markets like Malaysia, because even if we don't roll out the food delivery aspect, which other services are already doing, we feel that this uh, ecosystem that we've created, the operating system for this uh, small F&B beverage space is something that we can actually take to other markets as well. And that's what we want to launch in markets like Malaysia, because in Malaysia, you also get the angle, which I think is not as present in Singapore of basically uh, a lot of the vendors, they're working on credit, which does not happen as much here. So by creating a digital log of their transactions, if they're actually able to use a POS system and create that digital log of transactions, then that opens up an entire angle of financing for these vendors as well, which is something that can be very interesting for us in other markets outside Singapore. The second part of my question to everyone on my panel, how has COVID-19 attracted new investors or even corporate partnerships that might have been a little bit harder to get previously? For Gojek, we recently raised uh, another 150 million from Telkom Cell in, in Indonesia to help drive the digital economy. So these are very natural partners. If you look at uh, in recent rounds, we had Facebook and Google. Why would they partner with Gojek? Is because it's still the nexus of online, the digital to physical fulfillment. But I'd love to jump in here on a little point. The topic was really around broader business expansion, but what we've seen post-COVID is that it has also been changed in consumer behaviour. And I think it plays very well in both the YQ and you talked about digitalization of the heartlands. We've seen a lot more local travel now, which means that if you're not going to the office, you still want to meet people. A face-to-face interaction is still very valuable. We see a rise of the third place, much more local travel. And if you're going to take a long trip, say to the office, it makes sense you wait maybe 5-10 minutes for a bus or take the public transport, but if it's a short distance trip, our trip distances have come down slightly uh, because many people are travelling locally, meeting locally, going to the coffee shops locally or maybe going to the hawker centre locally. And with this change in the patterns of behaviour, then point to point makes much more sense because for a 10 minute ride, you don't want to wait 10 minutes. You know, you might as well just have a ride come to your door. So there are many of these smaller shifts that will play out in terms of the consumer that will also collectively be a very large opportunity in terms of digitalization and change in the future. So the theme is around 2021, and I think this is one of the aspirations that we see for 2021. Short trips, short rides, you know, much more local, much more digital. During this discussion, our guests also shared their views on the new digital bank licenses that would be awarded in a move to liberalize Singapore's financial industry. The Monetary Authority of Singapore, or MAS, has since announced the companies that would receive these licences. Okay, so on that note, I have my finale question, and this will be open to the floor. So some of your biggest fintech competitors may soon be awarded digital banking licences. How have you taken this into account in your business plans or roadmap? Basically for us at DBS, we have been preparing for this for a very, very long time. You can go like quite a number of years back where Alipay first started, and then we start seeing Repay. We really realised that the, the threat of fintechs uh, to the banking space is real. So since then, we have done a lot of things in terms of uh, uh, getting ourselves ready from the way looking at our systems, digitising processes, like credit cards today, for example, 100% or at least 97% is actually digitally applied. And once you digitise things, there's actually an opportunity to, like I said, you know, improve customer journeys, etc., etc., etc. We also reorganized the way we worked to be like a fintech, actually. So at one time, my group CEO was saying, referring to us as a 27,000 startup. 
So we organize the way we work, we change the way we work, for example, adopting agile methodology where you come up with a minimum buy product and iterate after once you get it on the market and iterate from there on. So we've been working hard in preparing. To us, competition is good, it keeps us on our toes. I would say we are ready for it. Uh, for faith, I'm actually really excited. Uh, I think for payments, uh, one concern is always about the cost of money, uh, your cost of funds. When you open up digital banking license, uh, the industry who actually get the license will be able to kind of dramatically reduce that. And ultimately, the beneficiaries would be the merchants who are in the platform as well as consumers. But I think the future boats well for faith. We're here to reduce life's daily frictions. And so whoever makes it more convenient for our customers and our riders, obviously, are people that we love to partner with. That's why we work with DBS. AP talked about the cost of capital. I think there's also the cost of transaction. And in an open and contested space, then if the cost of transactions come down, then that's also something that's very, very valuable for us. In total, there are, I think, 12 million trips. Not just point to point, but including public transport, right? The 12 million trips, that's a lot of transactions of quite a high value. And if the frictional cost comes down, then it's really better for the whole system. I think definitely bringing this cost of transaction down is essential in getting rid of cash because cash, at least to the merchants we work in, they view it as having no additional cost. And then again, like I was saying earlier, it's about getting them to actually trust that because I think a lot of the smaller vendors, they don't trust digital payments fully. So it's about building up that trust in their eyes that this is as good as cash for you. It can be withdrawn anytime because it's a wallet. It's not something that will take two or three days to get to you and basically in their eyes it should be an equivalent of cash and that's when I think this actually succeeds. How ready are you for a fully digital ecosystem for payments? As more move towards cashless systems, the opportunities for customers, merchants and ecosystem partners will give rise to new customer journeys, experiences and even lives. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Future Tense by DBS. Subscribe now and keep up to date with our upcoming episodes.